You're listening to Borderline Idealist. Join us every Sunday for new episodes where we focus on introverts, highly sensitive people, and mental health. Log on to BorderlineIdealist.com for past episodes, blog posts, and to find ways to support us. Together, we can give a voice to introverts and tear down mental health stigma. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Borderline Idealist. This is AJ. Hey, guys. My name is Chris. And uh, today's episode, we will be talking about denial. Uh, different forms of denial from people who are don't want to accept maybe their diagnosis to parents or other family members, loved ones, who may not want to see it. But before we get started on that, I think we, we'd like to give out a special shout out to a few people. A little thanks. Yeah. Uh, so the first person we want to thank is John from California. He reached out to us on our Facebook page and uh, I was talking to him a little bit and he just thanked us for doing the show and said that he really got something out of it and that he'll keep listening. So I was very happy to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) You don't understand. Every time we get a message from someone, I always get a text from Ajani. OMGs. Look at this. Read well, this. it's exciting. It's, it is. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it like to yes, knock you down. Yes, I will text you for that. <laughs> it's exciting for both of us because we like to know that it's always nice to confirm that what we're doing is it's helping people. Yeah, that, it that was one of the main reasons why we started this program was not only to for Ajni to express himself and have something to do that's productive but also because he had a strong will and urge to help other people that were in similar situations to himself. So it's always nice to hear from others um, when when they enjoy the show and they find something positive or meaningful in it. And um, so, yeah, thank you, John. There's uh, another person who you'd like to thank. Yes, Braylon. Braylon, reach out to us. Uh, through our website, contacted us, and she lives in the Atlanta area, and we're going to be doing a show uh, based off what she, she was had telling a recommendation. me. Yeah, she, yeah, she was it. telling me that she had just recently got gotten diagnosed with BPD and would like some tips, and, you know, I'm no wise sage, <laughs> but... You know, when you're that, newly diagnosed, it is something that really impacts your life. And you can only, I'm sure you're go, you went back through when you got that message, had your flashbacks to when you were recently diagnosed in college. Yeah. <laughs> just going through that and just being like, okay, well, now I know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was a great suggestion. Thank you, Braylon, for, for that suggestion that we, we've been, well, mostly Ajani, been working on a program where he's been writing down ideas, thoughts, and things like that that we can discuss. And and so hopefully that will help others as well. And then there's one last person that you wanted to say thank you to? Yes, uh, we want to thank... It, it just feels kind of odd to say this, but the only name that I have is Glocknut. 
<laughs> okay, so interesting name. <laughs> Screen so, name. Glop nuts <laughs> left a iTunes review, and it really made me feel good. It made both of us feel really good that um, they said that they like listening to the show. Uh, also said that they find our voices calming. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chris is sometimes worried, like, I don't know, I sound kind of weird. But, uh, and, and I think that, too, I mean, I don't think anybody likes the sound of their voice to, yeah. to start out with. But to do podcasting, you have to have a little confidence because you're like, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> every once in a while, every once in a while, I hear our, the recordings that we do. And I, sometimes it's cringeworthy. Cringe. Worthy, see there it is, <laughs> and I know I sounded weird just because of my accent sometimes gets in the way, or words escape my thoughts. I can't find the right translation. It's crazy, but <laughs> I'm sure everyone has been there before. Yeah, well, um, Mr. Glopnut, thank you, or Mr. Mrs. Mrs. I'm we sorry. don't know. <laughs> thank you for those kind words. We really appreciate all of you guys who listen and keep up with us every week. Yes, and. You know, if you if you are thinking of reaching out to us and just letting us know that what the show means to you, it would be it would be awesome. We love hearing from any of our listeners, and it gives us good energy to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, very quick before we move on, as a thank you to all of you listeners, we made some um, decals, some stickers. For you, if you would like to get one, go to borderlineidealist.com. I think it's on our homepage now. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ put it up on the homepage, so if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the sticker. Uh, it's just the name of the logo, Borderline Idealist Podcast. And uh, it would be a great deal if, you, if you'd like to have one. They're reflective, so they're nice and cool. It'll be nice and shiny when you reflect some nice some light on it <laughs> and um it would you know it would be great but just also because you would be helping promote the podcast and you know let others know that we exist and that we're doing something positive and they're so free they are free yeah just uh don't you want something free send us you know your address everything's confidential and we'll we'll mail you a little sticker and i know chris is really proud of them because he i designed them myself yeah he designed our <laughs> logo which i really like now and also the stickers so yeah get a borderline idealist sticker and support mental health awareness uh if you're an introvert support introverts you know there's something for everybody yeah <laughs> all right well let's jump into the show now i think we've spoken enough <laughs> About uh, other things. So, denial. Glopnut said that our voices are calming. Okay. <laughs> Let's continue to talk. Well, okay. We will. <laughs> okay. So, what what about denial? Um, what is it like learning a new truth, right? I think... So, let's start with maybe the people who are, maybe are in denial of their diagnosis. Have you... Did, were you in denial? No. No. I... From a very young age, I always knew there was something wrong with me. I just didn't know what the name for it was. Mm. Um, but for some people, it they is, don't they yeah. don't see anything. You know, they don't think that anything is wrong until somebody else tells them, mm. or until they realize through observing other people that maybe the way that they're reacting in life or what they're doing might not be 
quote unquote normal right. or or healthy. Well, it's kind of like you know where you where you're just you live you've lived with it your whole life. You don't know that it's not of norm or that it's not something that uh, it's good. You know, um, dealing with uh, mental illness, like you said, certain things that you certain ways that you react. So if your whole life you've reacted this way and nobody has told you anything, you think maybe this is okay. This is part of, you know, the regular thing. And it's just something that you have to deal with. And it to me, it kind of reminds me of, like, if you see yourself in the mirror every day and every day you would see, like, this mole on yourself, but it's an unusually large mole that maybe needs to get checked on. <laughs> If your whole life you've had it and you've seen it, you're like, oh, this is just part of who I am. And I'm so disgusted right now. I don't know why. <laughs> That's the first I thing just... that came to mind. <laughs> Something that you're you're so used to seeing, so you don't think anything of it until somebody else mentions it. Well, when a behavior is encouraged, especially when you're a young child and you're, or uh, you're growing up, when that person reaches adulthood, it's kind of hard to break out of mm -hmm. that behavior. And I, and, and this is, this is always the hard thing when, you know, you don't want to say somebody else has a mental illness, but when you have one, you, and I was just telling Chris about this, that, uh, we were watching a show, like every time we're watching a show and the character is acting a certain way, I'll be like, oh, they have BPD. And then they'll, they'll or they have this, and yeah, and they'll turn around and be like, "I have borderline personality disorder." I'm like, "Uh huh." I mean, you can just kind of, you know, you know what those what those symptoms look like because you live it every day. There's two shows in particular. I think maybe other people might enjoy seeing them. It's uh, my crazy ex girlfriend, right? Yeah, about a girl that has BPD, uh, and so the whole show is basically revolves around her, the main character. BPD and she breaks that into songs. It's crazy, hilarious, and fun, and super enjoyable to watch. And then the other one that we saw a character was in Queer as Folk, mm -hmm. right? the old TV show from the, the last 90s. episode of Queer as Folk. Yeah, toward, it was at the very end. He was an obsessive boyfriend. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, we oh, were, he has BPD. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in that show, we were actually really surprised. And you can kind of see the stark difference between the 90s portrayal of a person with BPD and the crazy ex-girlfriend portrayal. Yeah. Because the, in Curious Folk, the 90s show, the character was cast in such a harsh light. Well, very stereotypical of what BPD is. He's very obsessed. You know, he... Compulsive. I think, was he willing to harm him or something? I think... No. He was just kind of very angry all the time. Yeah. He, he, he was sweet, anger. sweet one minute, and then he would be angry the yeah. next time. So it was very extreme, and it just wasn't... It was just kind of rushed. I mean, the whole... The ending was rushed anyways, but the character itself was very two-dimensional and stereotypical. Whereas to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, they delve fully into the whole... Her full character. And it's a musical. <laughs> so if you, like, if you like musicals, you'll love that show. But so like it's just... <laughs> so it's, it was... And I remember when we saw that last episode with Curious Folk with that character, we were just kind of taken aback that, you know, it was such... The the character was portrayed in such a manner. And I think it kind of shows how society keeps progressing 
and you know our media also keeps follows up behind it um in the portrayals of characters but yeah um i was gonna say about going back to what i was saying about uh people that grow up mm -hmm. and after being encouraged by behavior i was going to say those are probably the hardest cases to make somebody come out of denying that they have a problem or denial mm -hmm. when you're i guess when you're older or the the longer that you've been comfortable with it mm -hmm. and it just being a, a normal way to react yeah that for for you it's just you, you may think that everybody else around you there's something wrong with them mm -hmm. <laughs> I was gonna say because we know specifically our two people that we know in our immediate groups right mm -hmm. that are in denial as adults they're older than us they've never gotten help when they were younger and so now as adults they either don't believe that medicine can help or they just sort of given up in seeking that help it's not worth it anymore or they found another way to cope with it, whatever that coping is, but they found a way to get through it through other means that while it may not be the best or most suitable, it works for them and they're just, they're happy at, at that level. I feel like they also have a dislike for psychology or they don't really see it as, I was comparing it to people that believe the earth is flat. You know, it... <laughs> they just don't believe in the science of it. Yeah, they just don't, you know, you can't change my mind. Uh, which I, I was telling Chris that people that believe the Earth is flat should do uh, experiments or do some research to see, you know, why, you know, science believes... Or maybe they just wouldn't believe in science. Well, you know, they just feel like it's all a conspiracy theory. There was an article recently that was published. I can't remember where I saw it on Facebook. Facebook timeline where <laughs> flat earthers have been trying to do experiments um, to prove that the earth is flat but I didn't of course I didn't read it it, it was a waste of time <laughs> but they are at least doing that and hopefully they will believe the evidence that they discover <laughs> well I just I also think that it's harmful because they're just I feel like they're just trusting one sense which is what they can see because, you know, they'll look across the horizon and be like, oh, wait, I don't see a curvature. I see, you know, I can see straight, the, I can see the city right across the bay. So the earth can't be round. Mm -hmm. And science is kind of going to different senses, right? right. Di using different methods or methods that are uh, it, especially made to find answers. Right. Well, and the... They, they, you know, scientists say the best way to do science is to ignore our, f our five to seven senses that we have, you know, hmm. because they are faulty. I mean, our eyes are faulty, our ears are faulty, you know, taste, everything is, we are imperfect beings and we cannot perceive the universe around us in the way that it is actually fully there. Just like we can't see gamma rays or x-rays. So the best science that you can make are those that avoid using our senses, our everyday senses, to prove things. Wow, so scientists don't use their senses? <sighs> they don't use our senses to prove it. They use other ways. 
say for example uh, gravity you know they don't use our physical senses to know where a moon is going to be at any point in time or the planet or a comet you can't use those things you have to use math you have to use the laws of gravity that you know have been compounded over over the decades to make those predictions okay. check out the big brain on chris <laughs> It's just something recent that I picked up. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, denial is like being a, a flat earther. Just ignoring basic research or ignoring something that can help you mm-hmm. get better. So the group of people that I really want to talk about are parents. When parents deny that there's something wrong with their child mm. or there's something wrong with anybody i feel like parents have a responsibility to make sure that their parent their parents <laughs> and well i guess their parents too um but their that their children are healthy and and safe and that they have all of the needs met all of their needs met if they need special assistance with something they should be able to work to get those needs to them Similarly to if you had a disabled, a physically disabled child, if a parent had a, a, a child who didn't have fine motor skills, they would work really hard, I'm sure, to make sure that there were ramps at their school, that they would be able to travel around anywhere that they wanted to go, things like that. The same way it should be approached with mental illness, so or any sort of mental illness or handicapable disability. Right. So if your child needs special attention or special needs to cope with anxiety or or with a learning disability, then you should be able to you should want to provide those special needs to them so that they can be productive adults. But a parent has to realize that psychology is real, right. you know, and it's something that, that a mental disorder is, you, you hear this a lot when, um, and I've heard this from other people, and, and my my dad has said it to me that you're doing something for attention, or you're you're just you're looking for attention, or you're just acting out, and that is so hurtful. This was back in college when you were yeah before you were diagnosed yeah, but it's hurtful because it's. It's like you're not being believed. And that's it's telling you that your experiences are not real. And you already don't know exactly what you're going through or you're trying to figure out what is going on with you mentally. And someone is basically telling you that what you're feeling is not really important and you're doing it to get back at somebody for some reason. <laughs> you had a motive for doing that, yeah. other than, and you actually you didn't have a motive, right? And in, in some instances, you were doing it to get attention because that's the only thing you could do, like when you were cutting yourself. Well, when I did that, it was because I didn't know how to Ex- handle it. Yeah, handle it in a healthy way or express it in a in a healthy way, and I was really, you know, my dad would say that it was a. Uh, that I was just doing it as a cry for help and um, 
No, no, he did not say I was doing it for, as a cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I would say I was doing it as a cry for help, but he would say that I was doing it for uh, looking for attention or trying to, I don't know, I guess do something to him, trying to get back get at back him for... X, Y, Z. Yeah, I, it, 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 it scrambling my brain because that reasoning never made sense to me. Why would your child be hurting themselves to get to you? I mean, wouldn't that be doing something to you? I mean, you should watch out in the late nights. I mean, you go to sleep sometimes. And what if I, you know, decide to <laughs> go crazy and be like, yeah, I'm tired of having a dad. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you be afraid for yourself if I was like a maniac or something? Like, I just, I just never really understand that. But that's... That's probably because a parent hasn't dealt with psychology or they, uh, their parents never dealt with it, but it's something that's very important. And I, I'm sure everybody listening knows how important, you know, psychologists I and think, psychiatrists is. I think part of the problem too is that part. generational, um, miseducation or lack or lack thereof of education of mental health. Right. I mean, mental health as a, as a medical condition hasn't really been talked about until very recently. The past few, maybe the past decade or two, I would say, like it has become an, something of importance sim or similar to physical conditions, you know. And I remember my parents never, I've never heard my parents talk about mental health, me growing up. And I don't, I know for a certain their parents didn't talk about it because they barely talked about physical health so i think it's a part of it is just people not being aware and informed and the only way to change that is unfortunately moving forward you know not only reaching back and educating our parents and those older than us but also making sure that the newer generations are very well aware of everything that's going on well, you can't save everybody. <laughs> you like reaching back, you know, and just trying. If somebody's in, and and this is something I I wanted to bring up. If someone's in denial, and let's say you're talking to somebody, and you just have a sense, you just have a sense that there is something not right, mm -hmm. and you know, do you, do you, and and it's, maybe let's say that they're like a friend or somebody that's close. Would you tell them? How, how would you? Is it your responsibility? You, yeah, yeah. How would you approach that? Because there are people that I've met that will tell me about something that happened, and then come come back later and then tell me about something else that happened, and I'll be like, "Hmm, those events, how you reacted, doesn't sound right." And I and sometimes I feel comfortable enough with a person to say, "Have you ever thought about going to a psychologist?" And a lot of times when I've said that, people will say, yeah, I've thought about that because I know that when I do this, it's not right. Or when I do this, there's something, you know, but those that are really in denial will be like, no, I'm fine. You For know. Why? I'm not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, I would say that I would want to say something. And I think it's somewhere in the same veins of, it's more for their, I mean, it's, you're doing it out of love for them, right? If you're noticing something that is holding them back or that it's causing them suffering in, 
I mean, suffering can be in many different ways. It's not just physical. But if there's, you know, you'll know when people are struggling in life simply because they can't cope or they don't know how to cope and deal with certain things, anxiety or depression or things like that, then you speaking up is for them, for them to be better. So in my view, it's an act of love. And I think that's how most people should view it. And of course, you have to gauge what the, where that person is mm -hmm. because you don't want to say something to make them upset and get them deeper in the hole from where they are at. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's none of your business. You know, it, it depends on what your relationship is to the person. If you just met them and you notice that there's something off with them or you just feel that way, you probably wouldn't say anything. Well, it's just, you know, it's kind of <laughs> common sense, right? It's the same thing as... Well, maybe some people don't know. Don't be rude and tell somebody <laughs> <laughs> that you just met. <laughs> right. Oh, there's something you... off about you. <laughs> think it's like I said because it's you, you don't want to jump to conclusions either and say oh you must have BPD or you might have mm -hmm. depression or something like that because you don't know what's going on this sort of thing is sort you know mental illness is lifelong thing so you can't know this is like with any kind of any other physical condition you can't know a person's mental or physical conditions in one day meeting them for 15 minutes or, or even a whole day so you don't know where they're at and but i think as you get to know someone if it's even someone new and as you get to know them and you're you're building that relationship i think it's within your purview to especially if you see them struggling or suffering and or especially hurting themselves one thing that i do is I'll let people know my story Yes. of, you know, finding out that I had a BPD, uh, how I'm dealing with it now, how it affects my life, where I believe it came from, mm -hmm. uh, the symptoms. And a lot of people can relate to that because mm -hmm. everybody experiences anxiety and everybody experiences sadness. If even if it's not depression, they they have experienced sadness. You know, their dog died, their cat died, their lizard died. Why am I doing pets? <laughs> I'm yes. just selecting the pets. <laughs> um, but they've experienced extreme sadness, so everyone can get something out of you telling your story. Right. And, you know, that's well, a big reason why we do the podcast, because... You know, it's a way of story. it's a way of breaking barriers, right? If you're if you're asking someone to be exposed to you, um, to put down their barriers and to be bare in front of you, then I think sharing your own personal struggles and stories helps them get there. It's kind of like with you know being gay, and <laughs> when you know someone is in the closet and they haven't quite figured it or gotten there. You know, you're like, well, you openly talk about how hard it was for you coming out and what you were afraid of and how what the plan was, how you, you know, managed, how you plan your coming out to people that you cared and following through to the other side. What happened afterwards? Was it really as scary as, it, as you imagined it? Was it really as traumatic or this or that? Um, and I think it's similar with, you know, this what we're discussing right now and that's what I meant earlier about gauging that person if that person is you know you can tell obviously you would know this person you're about to tell 
right? right? If you feel like they are not in the mindset of even contemplating what, what, what they have, right? Maybe just talking about your troubles to them will open themselves up a little bit. Instead of saying, you know, the other day you were acting really weird. I think you should go to a psychologist. <laughs> because when you're telling people something, when you're telling someone what to do with themselves, either, you know, mentally, especially, it's very accusatory. It can, it can pe put people off on the defense, right? When then they're like, well, there's nothing wrong with me, you know? And so you have to be careful because you don't want to put people on the defense. You want them to feel safe. And I think that's, that's a big part is making sure that people feel safe, right? Mm -hmm. And like they're being heard, that they're being listened to. So I think it's all in the execution. Well, I have a question. I've, in the past, I met somebody and thought in my mind, this person has a personality disorder. Um, probably not something that I would tell them, but... Is this an ex? No. Mm. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. No. I feel like I know this story. <laughs> we'll talk about Cause... this after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, it was just somebody. Yes. Um, but I, I've always heard that you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to self-diagnose, you're not supposed to, you know, diagnose other people. Or, right. I always felt bad for, um, when I judge somebody that way. Because, mm -hmm. you know, they could just be different, you know, so you don't <laughs> want to jump to conclusions. Right. Um, but I guess me having a personality disorder being around somebody else, I can kind of just smell it. You yeah. know, it's just like, the, it, you know, just the way that you react to certain things just leads me to believe mm -hmm. this. Um, but I don't know. Do you think it's right to... Diagnose people? Not diagnose. Or tell I, them, you know, like, is, what you're saying is, is it right to tell them, I think you have this? Because... Well, I wasn't just thinking, you know thinking it because I wouldn't I probably wouldn't tell somebody mm -hmm. that but I know that when I heard about BPD my doctor asked me to look it up and see if I agreed with the symptoms that was something that I had mm -hmm. so I kind of self-diagnosed myself okay you know my doctor didn't say you have BPD I know exactly mm -hmm. what this is well <laughs> it's doctors don't really know either you know so, um, I've just, I've had people ask me, I, I told them what BPD is, mm -hmm. and uh, I've had somebody say that, you know, oh, that sounds a lot like me. Do you think I have BPD? Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm just like, I don't know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but, it, you know, I, it does make me like an authority on it. Like, right. I can diagnose people, right. but I can... I can pick it up. I don't right. know what it is. It's like gaydar. So your question is, <laughs> should you tell someone what the possible diagnosis, like if they have mental illness, uh, BPD, since you well, know it so well? Is that well, your question? I, I think my question is, is it right to, is it right to judge somebody or, or think that they have a, a mental disorder when you don't have all the facts? You know, based on... Based on meeting somebody a couple of times, you can kind of get a good feel of their personality. Well, I would say 
Of course it's not good to self-diagnose or to do it for others. Or to judge people. It's not good uh, to judge people. Well, I mean, judging is like how you... Are you judging as in there's something wrong with you, so therefore you're less than, you know? That's obviously that's not correct. But I'm talking about... So let me break this down into two points. So if you're going to be talking to someone about or trying to get them to accept what's wrong, what, what could possibly be wrong, I don't think it's good... Uh, to say, you know, you have this or you possibly have this, right? I think maybe <laughs> you may hear our cats in the background. <laughs> we closed our door to try to keep them out and have less noise, but now they're starting to meow. Well, um, with cats, anybody with cats knows that if you close a door, they'll immediately run up to it and be like, why'd you do this? Let me in. <laughs> so, um, so yes, yeah, so I wouldn't suggest maybe telling them you you have this, or I think you have this, you know, I think it's best to say, maybe even like your doctor say, give you a website to go check out, you know, these are some of the symptoms for this condition. How do you, how well do you identify with them? You know, things like that versus, or just saying, you know, I think you need some help or I, I'm noticing you struggling with this and this, taking that approach as opposed to saying you have this or you possibly have that because like you said you just, you don't know and i mean doctors are more better are better equipped to diagnosing these sort of things because they have more experience right even even you that you have your part of your life half of your life dealing with mental illness there's still things that you don't know about that person's history medical history other you know childhood things but i just wonder if other people with mental illnesses are as, I guess, keen as I am to... I would think so. To certain... Because I, I, I'm i very interested in psychology. And you know anything I become... In, I love trivia games because I just know useless knowledge. Um, so I, I just got really... After searching BPD on Wikipedia <laughs> and checking the sources, okay? Wikipedia can be trusted. No matter what any college professor says. Well, it's about <laughs> trusting the sources. Yeah. Um, but after searching BPD, I started searching um, other things like narcissists and antisocial personality mm-hmm. disorder and just find out what personality dis- disorders are and all yeah. that stuff. So I don't try to diagnose people, but you can, I, I can pick up on how somebody reacts yeah. to certain things. Yes. Yeah. You know, if you tell somebody something, they keep on yelling at you, um, and it, it just, it seems irrational, mm-hmm. there might be something there. Right. You know? Well, um, I think it's similar to being gay. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we know sort of what, I mean, stereotypes have some grain of truth, right? So there are certain things that we may do that most straight guys just wouldn't do. You know, so like kiss in public, Chris. <laughs> no, well, even Straight just would do that. just little things like I don't know, carrying a purse or something. A little, a little glittery bag. I can always tell if somebody's gay by the way that they talk and part of the way that they they motion and move. Hand mannerisms. Well, yeah, I think yeah. that's what it Body is. Body language. There are certain little things that are not universal that not all gay men do, but most. So those little, those little things that 
you know, we would say, oh, that guy's probably gay. And I always say probably because you never know 100%. Yeah. And especially in today's world where, you know, male of any part of the rainbow feel more comfortable with themselves and with their masculinity. Yeah. He could just be Metro. And, or, I mean, <laughs> you, know, you not identify as Metro. Just, you know, they are who they are, you know. If a, if a straight like man... Uses, like he uses pronouns, they... Right. Oh, you like they are they? <laughs> they are who they are. Well, they using the pronoun. Anything. I mean, if, if a straight man, if a if a male comes, you know, has a glittery purse where he likes to keep his phone and his spare change, and you know, they're 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 telling me about their girlfriend or something. I don't think it's right for me to question. <laughs> Whether he is straight or not, you know, if if a person, I'm gonna be thinking about him. Like, mm, he gay? No, he's straight. No, he's bi. No, if a he's... person, I always take that person's you know word. If a person tells me they're straight, they're straight in my book. No matter if they like to wear wigs on the weekends or maybe play dress up or put on a little makeup, whatever they want to do for themselves, that's their business. You know, it's none of my business if they're gay or not. I'm not sleeping with them, so. You know, that's my point of view. Just accept people for what they tell you. If they're straight, at that moment, if they feel comfortable telling you that they're straight and that's the only thing that they can feel comfortable telling you, then that's who they are. Later on, if they want to change, then that's also fine. So, yeah, I think I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, you know, identifying or seeing those little, seeing those little uh, hints in people, right? Mm -hmm. So... I think it's okay to question where people are. You know, people that you love. Of course, we're all talking about people that we love. Mm -hmm. If you, especially if you see them struggling, you know, if they're quote unquote acting up, like you said, you know, when you were young, it's often times, most often than not, it's because they're struggling and they don't know how to cope or they don't know how to express what they're feeling, what they're going through ask for help, we forget that it's oftentimes very hard to ask for help for many, many reasons, either because we feel ashamed, because we don't know what's actually going on, we don't know what we actually need help with, right? Especially with mental illness, uh, oftentimes you tell me how you you don't know why you do certain things well, every, or how, why you feel certain Every way. day is a mystery box. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, you know... I think it's okay to approach someone and maybe, you know, do a little research yourself and say, what are, what is it about the person that you love that they're doing that's causing you to question or causing some concern in you? See if you can identify some things, do a little research, and maybe pass that along in a gentle way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and see if they feel comfortable talking to you about their problems so that you can offer support. And really, it's all about, I think it boils down to offering that support. Sometimes, you know, people just need to know that someone cares. And I'm thinking right now about um, domestic violence abuse victims, domestic abuse victims. Oftentimes, they don't go seeking for help because, you know, various reasons. But the what helps them the most to seek that help sometimes can be a, just a friend that listens to them, that gives them that emotional support and encouragement. 
sometimes to drive them to the police station or to another a shelter home where they can seek help. So if you feel like someone needs that friend, you know, it's okay to step up to the plate and, and be that. Yes, Chris will be your friend. <laughs> well, guys, if you have any stories about denial, like being in denial or uh, somebody that you may have helped out by using your story or what you've been through, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, stop by Borderline Idealist and contact us and let us know about your story. Uh, we will see you next Sunday with another episode. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you to everybody that reached out to us. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Yeah. Um, it's really special to us. Keep those com- comments coming. Yes. <laughs> um, so we will see you guys next Sunday. All right. Bye. Adios. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Follow us on our Facebook group and Instagram for more behind the scenes. If you liked the episode, why not help AJ and Chris reach more people and leave an iTunes review to help others discover the podcast. Together, we can defeat mental health stigma.